Confession, I'm one of those moms, one of those Gen X moms who lost her mind when Cobra Kai came out, binged it big time. When the ponytail started leaning a little to the side, I'm like, why fix it? What's really wrong with the side pony? I started thinking maybe a Pontiac Firebird could be a good family car. I loved the Karate Kid in the 80s. Who didn't, right? My favorite episodes of Entourage were when Ralph Macchio actually played himself. So good. And then when my kids did karate when they were young, I would sit in the dojo and I found it to be one of the most relaxing hours of the week. So I am totally looking forward to seeing karate for the first time and perhaps the only time in the Summer Olympics. So here's the background. It took decades to get karate or karate to a games. That's how they said on the Cobra Kai show. And this summer, it's going to be one of five new sports. So Japan selected karate for the 2020 games, but Paris, the host of the 2024 Olympics, didn't select it. So karate could be like one and done when it comes to the Olympics. We'll see. Japan is the host country of the games and the birthplace of karate proposed it to be a medal event. And it will now be the third martial art, along with judo and taekwondo, to be an Olympic event. A few more fun facts. Karate means empty hand. It's been around for hundreds of years and you're going to see two different types this summer. So there's the kata, which is the forms, and kumite, which is the sparring. That's what you saw Johnny and Daniel doing in Cobra Kai when they would just totally lose him. Definitely sparring. Also not very adult, not good adulting there. Men and women will be competing and you'll see about 80 athletes in competition. Now, Team USA's best chance in kata is Ariel Torres. He is 23 years old. He has an awesome backstory that actually has some comparisons to the Karate Kid. He's ranked number 10 in the world. He is the best American male. And the truth is, he would not be looking at going to an Olympics if he had been a calmer kid. True story. On this time to ask why Ariel says the Olympic postponement is the only reason he has a shot at Tokyo this summer. You don't hear that much this Olympic season. What happened to him during quarantine that changed him both as a man and as an athlete? What he really thinks of Cobra Kai? You see how long it takes me to bring it up. It's not long, spoiler alert. And how you can learn to be a more disciplined person by utilizing a few tricks from a karate kid. Here's Ariel Torres on Dying to Ask. Olympians, they're just different. Sure, they're fitter and faster, but they're mentally different too. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. And this year, with the first ever delayed Olympics, that mindset is more important than ever. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I have covered the last 10 Olympics for Hearst Television. 20 years of studying and, well, obsessing about how Olympians do life. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life coming out of one of the most challenging years ever for all of us. This is Dying to Ask, The Road to Tokyo. Ariel, did I get it right? Did I yes, say it right? Yes, yes, you did it. Yes. Ariel, yes. Ariel. See, I feel like I'm already in those stands in Tokyo and people are cheering for you. Ariel. <laughs> Ariel. In, in, in Japan, they'll actually say Ariel. Ariel. Because they don't pronounce the L in Japan. They pronounce Ryu. So they will be like oh. Ariel. Ariel, it'll be like that. Something I like love that. it. I love it. Well, hopefully then they're like gold, gold, gold. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Hopefully everything will hopefully turn out for the best. 
I love it. So people are listening to this right now. And unfortunately, they cannot see what I can see through this Zoom window, which is <laughs> your childhood bedroom. So let's just take them into your bedroom right now and tell them what is behind you and surrounding almost every inch of that room. Oh, well, there are some, there are a lot of, there is 138 trophies, 276 medals. Most of them are, were for fighting up until 2015. I had most of them in, in Kumite fighting. And now I have most of them in Kata because I had to retire from Kumite to focus in the Kata discipline. There are trophies from all over from 2016 to medals all the way up until 2021. Um, there are trophies within trophies. There are medals within medals. They, they're all hidden because, yes, I had to somehow make them fit. I have eight-foot tall trophies. I have a really incredible wooden one that you guys will see. And, yeah, this is my childhood sacrifices. My childhood dreams come true little by little. Each one has an old story, a different country, a different experience, different food, different people I met, different um, learning adventures I had to go through and incredible opportunities that I got, I was given, I was blessed with through karate. When you see that from the second you wake up till the second you go to sleep, because that's the first thing you see every day, yes, and the last thing you see yeah. at night. How yes. does that, imp I mean, it's got to be purposeful. How does that impact you as an athlete and then also as a man? I, I, when I go to sleep at night, I see the medals and I go to sleep knowing that I did everything possible that day. So when I wake up the next day, I wake up, I see all these medals and I say, yesterday's gone today's a new day we got to move on these medals were won before so now i have to keep working in order to pick up my next medal at the next event so it's kind of like work now pick up your medal later you know do all the sacrifices now sacrifice everything you have all your time all your effort your your love for the sport so when i wake up in the morning i see it and i'm like okay first thing the, the first thing i do is actually I, I eat and i go train in my backyard i have a dojo in my backyard that we built during the whole pandemic we built thankfully you know another dream come true i have my own dojo in my backyard i eat and i just walk three seconds to the dojo and i start working i start working wow. until i can't anymore yeah you and, are and, you are daniel larusso oh my I, I, I wish <laughs> that guy is incredible that man <laughs> has been an inspiration since i was a kid so hopefully one day i can meet him Okay, I went a whole three minutes without bringing up Cobra Kai. So I feel like that was oh, remarkable yeah. restraint on my part. But let me <laughs> ask you, like, in the last two years, a lot of us have gotten just so into karate from, well, for me, I'm a Gen Xer, reliving my childhood through Cobra Kai coming back on and the whole karate thing. But there's a whole new generation of people who are really getting into the discipline and the coolness and the uniqueness of the sport thanks to Cobra Kai. So my question yeah. is, what do people like you who are really good at karate think of it? Well, I don't know what many other people think because like I said, I really, I talked to some karate people, but not all the time. But for me, Cobra Kai has been a blessing. It's awesome. It's so great to watch people and, and the story behind it. And there's actually a lot of history in Cobra Kai, believe it or not, like Mr. Miyagi, the, 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 he has a picture of the founder of my style, Goju Ryu, Choju Miyagi Sensei. And they have these things in the background that you wouldn't notice unless you really pay attention to. So they're keeping the tradition. They're keeping the kata, the aspect of kata, the aspect of kobudo with the weapon. They're keeping so many aspects of, of real karate in the show while keeping it entertained and making it look cool because karate is cool. Karate is awesome. Karate is a lifestyle. Karate carries to your daily life, whether it's for your job, for work, you have so many values that you learned in karate that you carry over to the real world, just like Daniel Russo did with his business in the show. 
you know, with selling the cars, he incorporated karate, not only kicking the competition type of thing, but <laughs> hey, you know, the respect, the, the organization, the value of treating the customers properly, taking care of people, being respectful, mindful, and all these things and restraint and so many things that Daniel was able to show in the show um, that, that you actually learn through karate and growth as, as a person that you can see on the other side with Johnny character development the way that he starts noticing as you get older karate is a maturity thing you know and and it plays a huge role and i just love what it's done to the karate community and i love what they're doing i think it's incredible i think it's fascinating i'm a huge fan and i'm for it and i hope it keeps going and keeps growing because hey what they're doing is incredible for the karate community and now oh, that so we're cool. in the olympics and they're sharing it i'm i'm i'm, I'm so okay. just thankful so here's my thought you qualify for the team you go to Tokyo, you represent this country, you get on the podium, and then you get a guest appearance on that show. You have to. <laughs> Ralph, Mach Ralph Macchio. I mean, oh you guys my. are both, you're both from Jersey, both karate experts. Like, he's got to get you on that show. Has to happen. Oh, man. I, I just yeah? want a hug. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you, you feel like you know them because you've seen the show. You know, so you true. definitely don't know everything about them, but you see them on a show, and me seeing them growing up, from the karate yeah. kid movie to the show, I'm like, dude, I know you. You, I know everything. I, I, I you. know me. I know everything about you. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny is you do actually have some like interesting life parallels because you got into the sport at the age of six because apparently you were like like one of those crazy. Well, I have two boys, so I know about this. <laughs> yes. You were a crazy kid. Like you were a totally hyperactive yes, kid, and you you had a doctor who was like, listen, you got to do something. <laughs> Put this kid in a sport. Like find him something to do. So how did it end up being karate? Because your family's originally from Cuba. Yes, ma'am. So, uh, well, originally the doctor just said, hey, you're hyperactive, blah, blah, blah. Put him in a sport that needs a lot. It just wastes his energy. So that kid could go home and go to sleep. Thankfully, the only close thing we had, we didn't have a car at the time. We didn't have the funds for literally everything except some food. Um, there was a karate school 15 minutes away from, from my dojo walking and another 15 minutes going back. So every day we would spend 30 minutes going to the dojo, technically. And um, it was the closest thing we had. And it was affordable to, to train, actually, back in the day. It was very affordable. My, my parents were able to make the sacrifices. My mom is blind by one eye, and my dad had his own little gutter business. And they were able to come up with funds somehow together to just get me to go to karate. So going to karate, I was there, and I just fell in love with the sport. I fell in love with, with learning. You have to respect your parents. It was the first thing we learned in the dojo. Respect your parents. Never talk back to your parents. Behave good. Pick up after yourself. Learn how to tie your belt. Learn how to tie your shoes. Learn how to put your own clothes. Learn how to do this. Whatever they tell you is right. And you listen to them because they know more than you through experience. And actually, in karate, it was the same thing. The people that have a higher belt than you, they know more than you because they've been there longer. They're, it's experience. And you have to respect them. There's no talking back. It's just hi, sensei, yes, sir, blah, 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 blah. You do it because they know more and you have to respect. And then I was able to carry that home. Eventually, I was just like, us. My mom, Ariel, clean your room. Us. I'll run to my room, clean my room. Us. Because us is what they would say. As in like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Got it. It was just more like military style. Like, us. Got it. Go shower. Us. Wouldn't talk back. Oh, man. It, it's it became awesome. a part of my life, especially in school. It was just, I was able to focus because we had to do these patterns, these katas that really hard, really powerful. And we would have to focus for a whole two hours in karate. So going to school and taking on these classes, focusing for two hours was easy. It was like, that, that's 15 minutes was the warm up. Another 30 minutes was me punching, looking at the wall for another 30 minutes. Come on. It was so fun to go to school because you were able to do other things and just punch at a wall for 30 minutes. So <laughs> it, it made focusing in other parts of my life so much easier. 
Yeah. And it turned out to be what I needed the most. Any parent listening to this right now is making a note, find a karate dojo for my kid. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. I think that if their parents will put their kids in karate and make all the sacrifices possible for the kid to keep going, it, they, will, they will thank me for the rest of their life because karate will yeah. change their life. Well, clearly change your life. And it wasn't always easy yes. along the way. I mean, and, and it's when you become as good as you did, it gets expensive to pursue a sport. And, and you did some really interesting things with your family to find the money to be able to afford to do, to fill that wall behind you with trophies. Yes, ma'am. Um, we didn't have the money, obviously, to go to any of these events at first um, and for a long time. So we, uh, for the national championship back in 2007, it was in South Carolina. I told my mom, hey, I want to go to this event. Honey, we don't have the money. And I said, hey, no worries. I understand. I just wanted to ask. I get it. And then they felt bad. I didn't understand why, but I was like, yeah, I feel bad. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And whatever. And then they're like, my dad came up with an idea. Hey, Ariel, let's pick up money in the street. Let's ask for donations in the red light. Right across the, the dojo, there was a busy like street. So then after karate or before karate, I would go there wearing my gi, my karate, gi, karate uniform. And I would just do like a few patterns, like bam, 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 some moves. And then I would just go in there with a jar. My dad had a, like a, a picture frame, like a, a poster with my three medals uh, from of the, of the time and said, you know, asking for donation for the national championship. And people would give me a dollar, two dollars, some people 20, 50. It was actually people would people in the community were just so generous they saw me a little kid with a little well, I had a blue belt at the time they're like yeah man let's just help this kid go and I'm so grateful I went to national championships I ended up winning gold medal in both disciplines fighting and forms and my dad and my mom told me Sierra don't let um us not having enough money uh you know be what brings you down no you keep fighting we'll do our, we'll fight for you and you fight for your dream to be world champion to be the best or do whatever you want with it but we're gonna fight for you just you keep fighting too you know, and that, that's carried me through the rest of my life. And we kept doing that for a long time. And eventually I went to these um, Olympic qualifying events. I started teaching kids online. I've been teaching online through FaceTime for years, six years, actually. And I started making a little bit of money teaching people private classes. And I would use that money to help my family. And I would use that money to then travel across the world, go to other competitions and win money at the competitions, use that money to fund another competition. And I would just keep doing that. And before I knew it, I was number 10 in the world for the Olympic ranking. And I became a professional athlete for USA. And then I'm now funded to go to all these events. Incredible. And now it's, it's a part of my life. I made karate my, my, my job, my dream come true. You made it your hustle. Yes, ma'am, I did. You really <laughs> made it your hustle. So yeah. you were in high school when Japan announced that karate would be one of five new sports that would be at the 2020 Olympics. Now, it is not going to be a sport in 2024 in Paris. So the opportunity to represent Team USA in this sport, there's a possibility this could be a one and done. So this is a really unique opportunity you have. Yes, yes, it was, it was life-changing. The moment they said in 2016, hey, it's going to be in the Olympics, but it will not be in 2024. That's what they, they were saying. And then I said, okay, I call my sensei, Robert Young. And I say, hey, sensei. He's like, yeah, we need to make it happen in 2020. So I dropped everything. I was a senior in high school. I didn't go to prom. I didn't go to graduation. I graduated. I did everything, but we, I couldn't go. I was too busy traveling the world to make money to go to the next events so I can qualify for the Olympics. So I, from, from my senior year of high school, I sacrificed everything to be able to make it happen. I, be, I believed when I was 18 that I can qualify. When I got older... I was like, wow, I was a really stupid kid because I definitely <laughs> could not qualify when I was 18. I, I, I now, now I'm in the position that I can say, yes, I can qualify and I will qualify. God willing, everything goes how it goes. 
I'll qualify. But I was like, wow, I was so stupid before too. But I believed it. I really believed it. And not because I thought I was good or anything. I just said, I love it too much. I'm definitely qualifying. There's no way someone's taking me away from karate on the Olympics. So, so you know, that carried me through. Sometimes youth is good though, because you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes yes. if you knew it, you wouldn't really push yourself through it. So mm-hmm. in a weird way, it probably worked for you. Now, I have yes. also read and seen you say that you believe that the postponement in a weird way actually worked for you as an athlete. Can you explain that? Yes, ma'am. I believe it worked for me in an incredible way, actually. I was able to learn so much about myself. I was I never weight trained in my life. I never lifted up a weight and tried to get stronger because my sensei was against it at first because we had to compete every weekend in a different competition across the world. And lifting weights will make your body grow. And then it'll change your kata, your pattern technique. Because now that your body's bigger, you might be slower. It might take a different track of action to, your, to the technique. So taking that step back, that one year of no competition, I was able to mature my karate, my technique. I was able to start weight training with my coach, Valerio Ramos from Hong Kong. Technical training with my sensei, my kata trainer, Robert Young. I was able to improve a lot in, a, in that year so much. I learned about nutrition. I started learning how to cook. I never cooked in my life. I learned what to cook, how to cook, how much to cook, how much to eat, how much to not eat, what to intake, what to outtake. And then I started to learn about what to drink. What I was putting into my body was the most important part about anyone's training, nutrition, recovery. And I started to learn like, hey, I've been drinking milk since I was a kid, day and in, day out, at night, in the morning, all that stuff. And then I started to notice, hey, I need to start drinking milk before and after my training because it's part of recovery. It's part of the carbohydrates. You need to actually perform and do great and give you all these incredible nutrition. I need it. And I started reading about that as a part of my um, nutrition because I never saw that many people doing it. But I was like, I started studying and I was like, I need it. So I kept drinking milk before my training. I felt good and I trusted it. And I've always trusted and I keep trusting it. And this, I started this might with be it. why you got this might be why you got picked up as a got milk sponsored athlete. I mean, when that happened, that was incredible, but I, I didn't expect it. I didn't know what to believe of it, but it, it played a big role in my life. And, and I can't believe that now I'm a part of it. So nutrition, and, and, and now I, I learned more about it and I started to incorporate it more into my athletic life and to my performance. And I've noticed the change in the whole year. I mean, I went from competing in the world events from 21st place, 21st in the world, to number three in the world in the last event, just what last month in March, I got third in, in, in the in the Olympic qualifying events, and I was That's just amazing. like, wow, it made how a difference. Much, the year made a difference. How much bulk did you? How much weight did you put on muscle? Wise? Oh, I gained fifteen pounds. I don't know if it was muscle mass, but I def- my body definitely go grew. with it. Just and say it. <laughs> fifteen pounds, I grew. Um, my body's changed a lot in a good way, and you would you would expect me to be slower because I gained fifteen pounds. No, 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 no. I am so much faster because muscle bulk doesn't necessarily mean that you're slower, depending on what you do with the muscle fibers, the fast twitchy muscles, how you train it, what you do, what you're putting into your body. So all of that, what you're putting into your body and what you're doing with your body plays a huge role in your performance. So those 15 pounds just gave me more power and believe it or not, a lot more speed. And yeah, it's been awesome for me. The situation has gone great. I learned a lot about myself. I've matured my karate a lot more. I've become, I feel better person just with more patience, understanding so many things we had to learn during, during this whole um, pandemic. And the thing is for so many athletes, you know, like I'm thinking of swimmers, they didn't have access to pools. Gymnasts didn't have access to gyms. 
What did karate athletes do when you didn't have the dojo to go to when those were shut down? <laughs> uh, we were training in our backyard or in our front lawn. Karate is a thing that is so beautiful. You can practice it in a small space. I can practice it in my room. You don't have to go into a big dojo. The big dojo was just to be amongst your peers and train together like, like brothers and sisters, just training to improve themselves. But karate teaches you more than that. You don't need a dojo to improve. You can do it in the bathroom, in your room, in the living room, in the kitchen. You can do it everywhere. And I've done it everywhere. I've been looked at funny because I walk around in the mall doing karate, moving my arms, throwing punches <laughs> and kicks because it just, it just, it, it's a part of my life and I'm constantly thinking about it. So I've been doing, so, you know, I just goes to show you don't need a dojo. So the pandemic uh, didn't affect me and many athletes because we were able to train in small spaces. I had to build, I built a dojo in my backyard with my family dur during it because I wanted more space. So through all these sacrifices, you know, we were always able to save some money because we didn't have to travel all the time. And I was able to build a dojo. So I'm grateful for that, for everything that happened to me. You know, I was able to take advantage of every single situation, turn all the negatives into something positive, no matter what happened. And I'm telling you, a lot of negative things happened. But hey, it's how you look at the negative things, how you take it, how you understand it and what you do with it. And I was able no to doubt. thankfully change it. Here's something I'm dying to ask you. Discipline is, I mean, discipline equals karate. No, I mean, mm -hmm. if anybody didn't believe that at the beginning of this podcast, they certainly believe it listening to you now. <laughs> what would you say um, people could do, average people who are not into karate right now, what's something that the average person can do to work on their discipline, to fine tune their discipline for whatever goal they have in their life? That's an incredible question. I, I don't have to think about it because the moment you said that, the moment you literally said that, I already had a drill in my mind. You know, there are things in karate that you have to do every day from the moment you walk into a place. You know, sometimes actually I bow when I walk into a door because it's just a sign of respect, just bow, right? But other than that, like there are drills we do in karate from breathing, inhaling for 10 seconds, exhaling for 10 seconds, do it 20 times. And I, and I kid you not, most people won't be able to do that 20 times because they'll get impatient. They'll just get tired of it. Why am I doing this? They'll start questioning it. And the point is to not question it. The point is just to do it. Breathe in 10 seconds, breathe out 10 seconds, 20 times. And you're going to start noticing that if you can just do that, you're going to start noticing you can focus a lot more because you got through it. Something so, so, so meaningless probably to you, you were able to get through it. And this would teach you discipline, but if you're not, it will teach you. That's one of the first things we learned in karate, how to breathe something, some, one of most many things, but you sit down and just, Nice inhalation for 10 seconds, nice exhalation for 20, for another 10 seconds, 20 times, and you'll learn a lot. You'll be more calm, you'll be nice and relaxed, and you'll be more focused, seriously, more focused. And that's something I suggest to anyone that suffers with anything, anxiety, or just, they're just very stressed about anything. Just, hey, just trust me and just don't think of anything. Just think of your breathing in and your breathing out. And then you'll start, you'll start being able to do a lot more things other than just breathing yeah. in and breathing out doing karate, throwing a punch at the air. If you're frustrated, if you're angry, if, 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 if you're in pain, punch the air as hard as you can. You're not hurting anyone. And you're going to feel immediately all the tension that you had in your body. You tense up, your, you clench your fist, you rotate your hand, and you just throw a nice punch as hard as you can with a nice yell. In karate, we call it a ki, harnessing of energy. That's what it's called. Um, and you just throw it at, a, at the end of the punch. You're going to feel all your stress, all that tension just to leave through your punch into the air and it's gone and you'll feel a lot better oh. at least if i ever felt angry or stressed i'll just punch a few thousand times 
and you'll feel tired and you'll feel good. You'll feel good. Everything's I feel, gone. I feel better just listening to you talk about it for sure. So what, what has to happen here in the next few months for you to go to Tokyo? Oh, that's a great question. So um, basically there's a qualifying event that will be held in Paris, France on June 10th through 13th. And it's in this event, the number one athlete of every country for karate will go to this event. Now, the athletes that have already qualified um, in, my, in each respective division cannot attend, nor the divisions they represent. So meaning five athletes from five countries cannot go because they're already qualified through other means. Now, that's great for me because those are the athletes I've usually lost to. You see, the top athletes, number one or two, three, four, number one through five, I've, I've, I've lost to before. And I've also defeated them, you know, but they've just beaten me more than I have beaten them. That's so, fantastic. Uh, yeah. So now they're not going. And now I have to go to Paris and in this qualifying event where number one of every country goes, we fight for first, second or third place. And the three, the top three people will qualify directly to the Olympics. Yeah. That is great. Well, best of luck to you here in the next Thank few months. You for so people much. who want to follow along on your karate journey or maybe even do some online training with you, what's the best way for people to keep up with you? Oh, definitely Instagram. It's Ariel Karate One. Very simple. It's been that name ever since I was, in, ever since Instagram came out. And on YouTube, I have a karate vlog and people can follow me through my journeys and see all the experiences, all the new places, every loss, every victory. I post it all. I, I like everyone knowing that, hey, we're not perfect. I don't always win. I lose a lot. I lose more than I probably win. And I want everyone to see it. So if you guys want to follow me anywhere and see what's happening, just put Ariel Karate One on the internet and all the social media platforms will come out. And if you support me, thank you so much. You guys are the support and the kindness and the positive energy really reaches me. And I thank you all from the bottom of my heart if you do so. I can't wait to see you on Cobra Kai. I think it's going to happen. I really do. <laughs> if that happens, <laughs> I'll be crazy. I'll be so happy. <laughs> Ariel, thank you so much. And best of luck on your road to Tokyo. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. Keep an eye out for Ariel Torres this summer on those Got Milk ads. And of course, in our Olympic coverage, sponsorship is a huge deal for these athletes. And Got Milk is one of the campaigns that was able to hang on for this big Olympic delay and keep supporting those athletes. You can support this Olympic season of Dying to Ask by screenshotting the episode and sharing it out on social media. Tell your friends to listen. And if you would like to get to the Dying to Ask podium, leave a rating or review wherever you happen to be listening to this episode. Thanks. And I'll be back with another story on the road to Tokyo next week.